So everyone, just so you know, Rachel has me read a quote at the beginning of every episode. And here's the quote. Think about how much time you would save if you didn't say that. At I the know. The quote. He spends so much time at the beginning of every episode being like, what is this podcast about again? Okay, just so you guys know. Disclaimer, I didn't want to say this. <laughs> well, that concludes the time we devoted to the quote. Now for the theme song. Now read the quote. Oh, she's mad. Why is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance, now that's strength. <laughs> so I thought at first he was doing an orc voice, but then it became like racist old man. No, prospector. Oh, prospector. Okay, yeah. Welcome to Fire the Canon. This is the podcast where we read the books in the Western canon and decide if they belong or not. Usually we don't do that. Usually we say usually we do that, but then we don't do it. But then this time we actually are doing it, right, guys? That was very confusing, but I think so. That was a convoluted (laughs) sentence. So, (laughs) yeah. I abstain from answering that. He pleads the fifth. But this time, no, we we really are. We're starting off a new year. We're doing a whole book, a whole big chunk of a book. New year, new pod. New year, new pod. What year is it, Rachel? The year of the tiger in a month. Okay. All right. But uh, as a segue to the book, what year is it, Rachel? (laughs) Oh, wait. Sorry. 1984. Wait. (laughs) Or did you want me to say 2022? And then you say, you know, another year, 1984. (laughs) No, I I wanted you to say the name of the book. Consider it said. Why don't we just name years until we hit upon the book that we're reading? I said it. Okay. Awesome. We're reading 1984 by George Orwell. And today we're going to be covering book one. I was going to ask if Theo knew who wrote it. I would have guessed it. Okay, guessed it correctly? (laughs) I would have guessed it. (laughs) See, Rachel, that was a very inefficient way of speaking because you could have just said guessed it. That implies that he would have guessed it correctly. Big Brother would not like that way of speaking. Oh, gosh. Theo would be vanished immediately, vaporized. You think so? (laughs) If you were Big Brother, you would vaporize him? No, if he was in the society of the book. (laughs) Okay, readers, a lot of you might have an idea of what 1984 is about. We're obviously going to go through the plot. Let's just say that there's a totalitarian government and they like to vaporize people who don't agree with them. So there's that reference. I think we need to all be threatening to vaporize each other all the time on this podcast. Theo, can you tell us what you know about 1984 real quick before we get started? I assume it will be quick. Oh, wow. <laughs> Why do you do this to him? <laughs> well, I'm setting the expectations low. It's like a police state and uh, this guy is like writing in some book all the time or something like that. Doesn't he have a diary that he keeps secret or something? Keeps it secret, keeps it safe. That goes through my head every time I... I think that overall throughout the book, in general... Overalls? There are a lot of overalls. In, in, oh, yeah. Yeah, overalls appear throughout the book. Um, in general, <laughs> there's this theme of, you know, whenever someone is ignorant in the book, they're actually really strong. Oh, boy. Is that wrong? Okay. All right, pop quiz. Theo, how much is two plus two? Five. Move on. Good job. Okay, you've avoided vaporization for this <laughs> round. Wait, have we even introduced ourselves? No, just the podcast. (laughs) It's time to introduce your hosts. Do it. This one over here, tell them what your name is. You can call me Rachel or Comrade Rachel V. You can call me Jackie or The Vaporizer. Is that a character in the book? It's not. But I do like to just imagine myself as the one who will be vaporizing Theo anytime he displeases us. Yeah, Jackie vapes. Nice. And I'm Theo. I'm also known as Big Brother because that's the character that I know. Because he censors everyone who speaks on the pod. He should have been Winston, honestly, because Winston like rewrites history. That's kind of what Theo does oh, when he edits. That's kind her. of what editing the yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> so Jackie vapes. All right, moving on. I don't vape. She's the vape queen. No. Um, Rachel, you want to go ahead and give us a background of this book? Sure. So this book was published in 1949, and its author, George Orwell, died in 1950. His name was actually Eric Arthur Blair, not George Orwell at all. Oh, I didn't know that. And he wrote this book while he was suffering from tuberculosis, and he kind of absconded himself to the island of Jura in Scotland and just, like, wrote it all while he was there. I think this was the last book that he published while he was alive. Makes sense. And I do have something I want to say about the book. Something you want to say about a book on this podcast? Weird. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And it's this. 1984 is a great fiction novel to read, but it seems like it is becoming the reality we are currently living under more and more each day. Says everyone who ever has looked at the book or heard of the book. Now that that is a quote from Madison Cawthorn. (laughs) Is that a British politician? A congressman from North Carolina. Oh, that guy. Everyone's like, this is the stupidest thing ever. Everyone, anyone has ever tweeted. Like, why did you write it like this? this no, this is the stupidest thing everyone has ever tweeted. <laughs> this is the stupidest thing that we've all tweeted. We've all got to get it out of our system at some point. <laughs> it's like he's starting out an essay and he's just like borrowing words so that he can try to make the word count. Like, this is a great fiction book to read yeah, with my he's eyes. He's padding out a tweet. <laughs> a tweet, yeah. God, 48 whole characters? <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, the other thing is, like, as far as redundancies go, like, why did he call it a fiction novel? Yeah. They're all fictional. How would you have written it? I wouldn't have written it. I don't okay, necessarily agree not with any it? of that statement, any part of it. <laughs> okay. I would, I mean, you could just say something like, wow, looks like the world's getting more and more 1984-ish all the time. <laughs> but people won't know it's a fun novel to read. All right. Listen up, everyone. 1984, it's a novel. It's great. It's great. The world is becoming more and more like it every day. <laughs> and not only is it great, it's great to read. It's so great to read this fiction novel. Yeah, he could have just looked out the window and said, my, it looks Orwellian out there today. Mm-hmm. He could have. People love to say things are Orwellian. I found an article that's just like a list of American politicians like referencing 1984 incorrectly. So Donald Trump Jr., after his dad got kicked off of Twitter, he said, we are living in Orwell's 1984. Free speech no longer exists in America. He would have been killed if he tweeted that in 1984. (laughs) Uh, Oh, maybe it's not so bad then, huh? Hmm. Yeah, we did pretty good. Pretty good. Another senator lost a book deal because of the perception that he incited the January 6th riot. And he said this could not be more Orwellian. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It could not be more Orwellian. Could not be. That a senator lost a book deal. (laughs) That is so dumb. Well, we're going to explain to you, if you, like every single politician who's ever tweeted about 1984, have not read the book, we will explain it to you (laughs) so that you don't make these horrible tweeting mistakes yourself. Yeah, so it's, um, let's see, what is it, like 260-something pages in my version. All that really happens is that senators try to publish books and then they're not allowed to. That's basically it. Yeah. (laughs) Just over and over. Large adult sons' dads get kicked off of Twitter. (laughs) Anyway, so I think that's enough background for now. We'll probably cover a little bit more in future episodes, but we're we're on a tight sketch right now, so... Yeah. Well, I think we need to definitely talk more about the context and what it has meant in the canon. Okay. All right. Let me just, I'll do a little, little, little bit more. Okay. First of all, 
George Orwell was a democratic socialist. He went to Spain to fight against the fascist Francisco Franco. He said, basically, my one goal is to kill at least one fascist because, you know, there's more of us than there are of them. If everybody kills one, they'll be defeated. He hated fascism. He hated totalitarianism. And he based this book partially on Nazi Germany, partially on Soviet Russia, and also partially on his own time working for the BBC in the UK and like different wartime restrictions and like the post-war period. He produced a lot of propaganda during World War II and he, you know, felt bad about it. Mm. So whenever you see people being like, wow, you know, big brother, that's communism, that's socialism. It's like, no, he was a socialist. He hated totalitarianism and he saw it all over the place. (laughs) So no, like nice try, but using a trans person's preferred pronouns is not 1984. (laughs) So anyway. (laughs) Did people say that? Oh yeah. I have seen several, let's call them right-wing influencers say like, this is 1984. Hmm. This is 1984 right here. All the time, constantly. Is there a lot of policing of language in the book? Is that what it's about? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's not at all like society saying, hey, you're being an asshole. It's you getting killed if you like forget how much chocolate you're supposed to have or whatever. Like if you forget that you're supposed to think it's complicated, but yeah, we're going to talk about it. But yeah, it's definitely not, you know, society criticizing you. It's you getting killed. (laughs) And also society is not allowed to say anything. So, right. Um, All right. Did you want me to jump into the plot? Do you want to explain a little bit about the main character and what he does and that sort of thing? The main character of 1984 is named Winston Smith. He's 39 years old and he's a member of the party. The party, capital P, is the political group that controls everything. Society is split into two groups, which is the party and then the proles. So short for proletariats, right? Mm -hmm. These are like the working class. They're kind of regarded by party members as animals. Yeah, they literally are said, well, they're not really humans. Oh, gosh. They literally regard them as animals. So Winston, he has just a role doing a job in the party that is basically revising the newspapers that the party puts out. So we'll talk a little bit more about what his job is. I thought that part was funny, like scary, but kind of interesting in the way that it's described. So he's 39 and he starts out the book telling you about this diary that he's starting to write. Within the context of this world, (laughs) Great Britain is now called Airstrip One. And then there's other parts of the world called Oceania, which is the Americas, Australia, the bottom of Africa. Airstrip One is also part of Oceania. And then the rest of the world is Eurasia. And then isn't there another one, Rachel? Yes. East Asia. East Asia. Okay. And then there's some disputed territory that they fight over. Some disputed territory. So Oceania is basically always at war with either East Asia or Eurasia, and they kind of flip-flop back and forth. In this world, everything is run by the party, and the head of the party is called Big Brother. He's kind of just a mysterious figure. He's posted up everywhere, so he's got a black mustache and black hair, and everywhere you go, his eyes will follow you. He's even printed on coins, and you can see his eyes kind of following you around the room, you know, like they do those portraits. Big Brother's always watching. You're not allowed to say anything against the party. You're not allowed to even think again, think anything against the party. You have to keep your expression and your emotion and your thoughts just composed and calm at all times. There are literally telescreens that are watching you. Because they see, they can see you while you're in your house. There's the telescreens in the apartments, which are like blaring propaganda a lot of the time. 
they're also like conveying messages. And then they're in addition to showing you stuff, they're also watching you. So Winston, the protagonist, he has this apartment where there happens to be a little alcove, like um, kind of where a bookshelf used to be. And in this tiny little alcove, which most apartments don't have, if you sit in it just right, you can actually be out of view of the telescreen. So Big Brother can't actually watch him when he's sitting in that spot, which is a great advantage for him because all of the apartments... Like, they're pretty much 19th century building, so they're pretty old. But wouldn't it know if he's trying to go off camera? Well, it wouldn't know if he's in the apartment or not. It would just kind of look like he's not there, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah, unless they were literally watching him at the time he went into the blind spot, they wouldn't know he was in the blind spot. But they don't have cameras outside? They do. They have cameras everywhere. I mean, in the in the party areas. Yeah, so the the weird thing about the way that the society is set up is that the like the lower classes, they don't get spied on basically at all. Mm-hmm. The party doesn't really care what they do. So if you're kind of walking around in a, you know, like a lower class area, nobody really is looking at you and their houses don't have telescreens in them and they kind of like think that they're stupid. Hmm. Yeah. They don't think they're even worth watching or worrying about, and they don't they don't live together. So you'll never have a party member like down the hall from a parole. They live in completely separate areas. Right. There's all kinds of things where it's like it's not technically illegal to do X, Y, or Z, but you could still be killed or like sent to a work camp for a long time. Yeah, he says nothing's illegal because they don't have any laws, but yeah. everybody knows, you know, if you do this, they they'll kill you. Hmm. Right. Like it's not not allowed for you to talk to a parole, but you really shouldn't do it. It's not not allowed for you to keep a diary, but you really shouldn't do it. Really shouldn't do it. So, we're in this world He's kind of introducing it by walking around and just showing us like how terrible everything is. Basically, he has to walk up lots and lots of steps to his apartment because the lift is always broken and he's got this ulcer on his leg and that's bothering him. But he can't really get great health care for it. And everybody's kind of like kind of in a state of ill health all the time, but nobody's like actively dying or anything like that. It seems like they're just being kept alive at the minimal level, but they're not really thriving at all. And they have like chronic problems that they can't get any help for like that. I want to say one thing is the book opens with a really, really famous line, Mm -hmm. which is it was a bright, cold day in April and the clocks were striking 13. 13. What's weird about that is, so Orwell himself just like hated 24 hour days. (laughs) But to me that I don't read that. I'm like, oh, how freaky. It's a dystopia. I know. I just just like, like, okay, yeah, it's one one o'clock. (laughs) Yeah. And he does that all the time. You mean he hated 24 hour time? Like Like military time. Yeah. He didn't like the idea of, you know, instead of just repeating one through 12 again, just going one through 24, (laughs) which is so weird, which there were two. I was going to say two other things that he hated that just appeared in this book that he thinks are like showing you how terrible it is. But for me, I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Who cares about that? (laughs) Which, uh, Jackie, did you notice? There's one that I think is very obvious, but it's, you know, it's not relevant to the plot. So I didn't know if you'd come up with it in your outline. But can you guess what one of them is? Uh, Let's see. Things we don't care about. Um, Yeah, where you would think, who cares? But it's made a big deal of in the book. The cigarettes fall apart? No. (laughs) People watch you all the time when you're in your apartment? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, that one. What's the big deal? I don't don't have anything to hide. If you don't have anything to hide, why do you care? Yeah, we're fine with it. (laughs) That's one of the first things that happens is that he tries to light a cigarette and all the tobacco falls out. Happens every time. It's just like on top of the no freedom and the death for any minor infraction, 
the cigarettes suck. Poorly <laughs> rolled cigarettes. Yeah. One of the other things is that he was really worried about imperial measurements yeah, yeah, that being one. done away with. <laughs> So there's a scene where this old man is like, he's making a huge deal in a bar about how he wants a pint of beer. And the barkeeper is like, and the bartender's like, I don't know what that is. We have liters and we have half liters. Oh my yeah. God. What are you talking about? What is a pint? Yeah. We have a liter and a half liter. And the, the old man is saying, well, a half liter's too little and a liter's too much. I want a pint. <laughs> he's explaining to the bartender, like a pint is half of a quart and a quart is Four gallons. Like, why did you use that There's part of your words? There's four quarts in a gallon, you mean. <laughs> is that what I said? What did I say? You said a quart is four gallons. <laughs> Jackie has a hard time buying milk. <laughs> None of this makes sense. Why is the gallon bigger? I go to the bar and I'm like, can I please have four gallons of milk? <laughs> the bar? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we don't serve milk. And that's a lot of milk. Um, so the... <laughs> The other thing that I read that and thought, grow up, Orwell, was that he was really mad that women had started wearing less makeup. So he makes a big deal about how, oh, the female party members never wear makeup and it's terrible. Really? <laughs> Let's say he was a socialist born in, what, the 1800s? So he still had some problems. <laughs> like, he was extremely homophobic. Oh, no. Extremely. And he was very much like, which maybe you noticed this, he was very against the idea of artificial insemination. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he's also pretty misogynist. Oh, or at yeah. least Winston is. Yeah. I mean, this is not a book where I think anyone alive would read it and be like, this guy's got the right idea about everything. <laughs> well, I do think so. I mean, if you've kind of gotten a sense from what I've said about the world so far, like the party is supposed to be 100 percent devoted to the party all the time. And they're supposed to just dress the same and eat the same food and do everything at the same time, because apparently that's what you know, that's that was his idea of what it would be like to live under one of these regimes is that there is no freedom. There's no individuality, no personality. Like you see this in Ayn Rand sometimes, right? So when everybody's supposed to be the same, females are supposed to look exactly the same as males. And I feel like that whole psyche is just crumpled up into some weird ball of yeah. women can't really be women in certain political spheres. <laughs> it sounds awesome, though, for women to not be expected to wear makeup at work. But also they're not allowed to, which is not awesome. I know, but there. I think if there wasn't the expectation, I don't know. I, I go back and forth like I, I really like makeup, but, you know, it might be a fair trade off <laughs> not being allowed to wear makeup. Yeah. If you're not expected to. You would be willing to trade that for a constant monitoring in your apartment also? <laughs> yeah, it'd be worth it. <laughs> He's really stuck on that. Why are you? It's not a big deal, Theo. It's not a big deal. Trading away something I love for a total lack of freedom as long as no one's expected to wear makeup. Right. <laughs> I mean, this might be a controversial take, but I don't think it should be because it's just a fact. We're all being tracked all the time everywhere, like all the time. Yeah, everybody's keeping track of our whereabouts Our, I mean, it's come a little bit short of actually having a screen in our houses. But I mean, your Siri's listening to you. Your Alexa's listening to you. They're watching, man. Right. I mean, creeps can turn on your webcam whenever they want. And they have. That did happen to me one time. Did I ever tell you about that? Really? Oh, oh no. Yeah. It was the scariest oh. thing. Like, so I was just watching a YouTube video. YouTube. Like, you know that site. <laughs> oh, I know YouTube. I trust that site. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying it's a normal site to be on. Like, 
It's not like it's some weird thing on the dark web. Yeah. Dark webs with a Z. Yeah, the dark. <laughs> I was on YouTube.darkweb.net and <laughs> all of a sudden the screen like went black. I couldn't control anything. A message popped up that said, we caught you watching child porn, which do I even need to say? Obviously, I wasn't. But hmm. it said we caught you watching child porn or something. If you don't want the FBI to come get you, you need to go to Walmart and get a bunch of iTunes gift cards and send them to this address or like send us the codes or whatever. Wow. Then my webcam light turned on. <gasps> so that was terrifying because it's like, well, obviously I know I didn't do anything wrong, but someone's watching you and you can't control your computer anymore. It's just like the most terrifying thing. What did you do? She obviously sent them all the money they asked for. Yeah. I <laughs> went straight to Walmart child. and I said, give me all the iTunes gift cards you've got. <laughs> but no, it was really hard to get rid of. I had to use my phone to like look up a way to fix it. And basically what I had to do was, I don't know, Stephen would probably know the words for this, but I had to do some type of maneuver where I got into the, I don't know, what do you call it? Mainframe. Did you hack the mainframe? She hacked the mainframe. <laughs> I had to, yeah, I guess I had to get into the mainframe and I had to reset the computer to like a week before. Like I had to just make it so that the last week hadn't happened. And they were watching you the whole time and they were like, no, no, don't do that. Stop. Uh, we caught you watching child porn again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure I had turned the webcam off or covered it up or something. Oh, smart. Just that little green light that came on was just the freakiest thing. Wow. Do you guys want to hear a creepy thing that happened to me recently? Yeah. Okay. Look, is it less creepy than what happened to Jackie? No, I would say it was far creepier. Okay. One upping me. Let's go. <laughs> you remember I, I told you about the bathroom I, I used recently? Wait, no, you haven't told us. She told us there's some story about a bathroom. Okay. She hasn't told us the story yet. Okay, go ahead. Okay. When Steven and I were in Phoenix, we had some time to kill and we were like Googling, you know, vegetarian restaurants. And we went to one restaurant and we showed up. It was like quite far away and they were closed. <laughs> so we just picked another one kind of at random. It was so, so, so good. Like if you're in Phoenix at all, let me know and I'll tell you this place because it was delicious. Like one of the best restaurants I've been to in a really long time. Why don't you just say it? Um, it's called Coronado PHX. It's so good. PHX. Oh, Phoenix. So the dessert was amazing. It was all so good. It's it's mostly like Mexican food, but with some other stuff. I was having a great time. It had like kind of quirky decor, some little snakes around, whatever. I go into the bathroom and I see that on the walls, oh, no. there are some framed photos. Uh -huh. I'm like, okay. And I kind of glance at them and I'm like, oh, okay. Like some black and whites, whatever. So I sit down to pee and then I look up at the wall across from me to kind of inspect it more. They are all Victorian circus children wearing like homemade masks. I thought you were going to say all of their eyes were actually webcams or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, Jackie, they were like twin mimes and like little kid clowns. And it was just horrible. I'll, I took photos. I showed my friend and she got angry. She's like, stop showing this to me right now. <laughs> <laughs> Did you give them a one star review on Yelp? Like the best food I've ever had, but the bathroom makes me give it negative stars. I'd give it a zero if I could. No, I. it's still five stars despite the bathroom, five stars. Wow. I was so scared. I, I thought to myself, I'm like, can I just stop peeing and leave now? But I couldn't. So I just looked <laughs> at the floor the whole time and blocked, like held my hands above my eyes to make a visor so I couldn't make eye contact with the children. It really disturbed you? Oh, yeah. Because, oh, I didn't explain this. The bathroom, it was lit by a metal hand coming out of the wall that had like a <laughs> glowing light bulb coming out of the hand. And then there was one flickering candle. <laughs> Question. Are you sure you went to the bathroom of this restaurant? I'm positive. Like, did you maybe just slip into another dimension? <laughs> no, did you go I, to like I'm sure. 
So then when I went out, I was like, because there were two bathrooms and I was like, wait a second, is this the only one like this or is this their theme? So I went into the other bathroom. Oh, I forgot to tell you, our bathrooms, they are gender neutral, but one is horrifying and one is normal. <laughs> the two genders. Yeah. yeah. Normal and frightening. I went into the other bathroom. It also had horrifying photos. And I, I think I, I have like a, maybe a tiny bit of OCD because I had to look at every single photo and they were just as scary. And this one even had like kids wearing homemade dog heads and stuff. What? And I was Wait, like, what do you, oh. what's a homemade dog head? Uh, like a, a dog head that they made at home. <laughs> at home. <laughs> no, I mean, but you know, not like one you bought at the store. Okay. okay they didn't okay. cut off a dog's head. They made a dog head. Well, you mean they made a mask of a dog? I hope so. What? <laughs> you think they made a dog's head? Was it that realistic? <laughs> like, I didn't want to look too much. Well, we didn't have time to finish the dog, so it's pretty miserable. What do you mean by Victorian circus children? Is that like a genre of children I should know about? I'll show you the photos, but they are horrible. No, don't so show anyway, me the photos. I, I almost ran into the waiter and I screamed. And I told Stephen when I got back to the table, I was like shivering, just shivering and shivering and going, hoo, hoo, hoo. and he's like, what's wrong? And I said, the the bathroom is so scary. It is so scary. And he knows I get scared really easily. So he's like, I'm not going to get scared. And he went <laughs> to the bathroom. He was gone so long that I literally was like, did he get sucked in? Yeah, is this him. like a horror dimension? Should I go check on him? And I can I considered checking on him, but I'm like, I'm too scared of that bathroom. I'm not going back there. He should have told you like, hey, just so you know, I know you're really afraid of this bathroom. I'm about to take like a 30 minute long shit. Don't worry. Yeah. It's it was be probably huge. not that long. But so he came back and he was like, you're right. That is scary. <laughs> well, why was he in there so long? Uh, it, it felt really long to me because I was just waiting to hear his response. It was probably like he okay. was pooping like a normal amount, I think. Okay. So there was no like <laughs> creepy explanation. All right. He was pooping a normal amount or for the normal amount of time? Uh, probably both. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I just got a text from Yulana, by the way, and she said, wait, is this actually Theo on the Dickens app? I genuinely can't tell. <laughs> it's not that different. No one believes me. <laughs> no one believes you. No one you. believes me, yeah. Okay, well, anyway, it was a bad bathroom, and I'll, I'll send you the pics. You can post them on our Instagram, I guess. <laughs> it was frightening. It was so bad. Ugh, I, I went back and took photos. I forced myself. Oh, it was so scary. I'm scared right now. Whew, the ambiance was unmatched unmatched the worst bathroom i've ever been in was with our friend emma who we mentioned on the john allison episode because her mm -hmm. brother drinks lots of olive oil to hike the appalachian so the trail the bathroom was terrible uh no this was with emma sorry i was not with her brother on the trail oh, okay. um we okay. were camping though and whoa, it was whoa, North Carolina. What? sorry what can i just say it would be like a real power move a real show of opulence if you filled your toilet bowl with olive oil instead of water <laughs> A real show of a real show of I had opulence. no idea where that sentence was going to go. I knew I wasn't going to like it at the end, but I didn't know how I wasn't going to like it. <laughs> but wouldn't that be so badass? Yeah. No. I'd be like, wow, the taste of this person. I would keep those pipes smooth. Yeah. It's just the bottom shelf kind, you know, virgin, not extra virgin. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I was camping with Emma and we had to use the bathroom. And it was one of those campsites that like had a bathroom, like a little center with showers and toilets and stuff. The bathroom. We opened the door and <gasps> covered <gasps> floor, ceiling, walls, toilet, oh, no. sink, oh, no. mirror, everything was covered oh, no. in huge cockroaches. Oh. And at this time, I was not yet phobic <laughs> of cockroaches. Poopy. What? I thought you were going to say poopy. Go ahead. No, no, no. And much 
is it better or worse? I don't know. Um, so I wasn't yet phobic of cockroaches. I now have a phobia of them. Like I'm not just the normal amount of afraid of them. It will like ruin my day if I see one. If I have to kill one, I will sob. Like it's awful. <laughs> I just hate going near them. Like anytime I see something in the corner of my eye, even though I haven't seen one of those in years since I moved to Ohio, I, I just still have this flight reaction where I'll jump out of my skin. I wasn't yet afraid of them to this degree. I just thought like, oh, gross, there's a ton of cockroaches. Emma was like, I'm not going in there. I'm doing my thing in the woods. And I was like, "Uh, okay, I'm going to try it. So she was like, okay. (laughs) So I stepped in, closed the door behind me, and I thought, all right, well, maybe if I just like move slowly, I can get out of here. And I shut the door. And Emma said, at least they aren't flying. And as soon as she said that, they all started flying. (laughs) And I ran out of there so fast, just screaming. Oh, my God. It was so scary. Wow. That was it. I didn't use the bathroom. And to this day, I still haven't. Oh, Yulana just said she thought maybe it was Seth on the podcast instead of you. What? And that we're trying to trick people. She thinks Seth has Seth a, has a higher voice than Theo. Yeah, Jackie's right. Seth has this like very high voice. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think I said that. I am Theo's brother. <laughs> Big brother is watching. Hey, rollerblade. So we're introducing Theo's Seth impression. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 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 I'm rollerblade. Oh. Is that Seth's Jimmy Stewart? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's pretty great. Uh, I could keep going, but no one would understand. I had a good time hanging out with Seth the other day. I got to see uh, Seth and his girlfriend on New Year's Eve. Was that your first time? What? Was that your first time hanging out with Seth? Are you joking? I've hung out with Seth with you before. Okay. The way you said you had a great time, it's like you didn't know that it would be a great time. (laughs) I mean, I don't see him that often or anything, but um, every time I do see him, though, it does appear to me that he doesn't really know who I am. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You're Jackie. He called her Clacky. (laughs) Clacky? Yeah. Well, I I mean, like, I introduced myself to his girlfriend as Jacqueline, and he went, your name's Jacqueline? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that threw me for a loop, too. None of our listeners know that. (laughs) Oh, whoops. It's a normal thing for Jackie to be short for, though. Could be. Like he thought my full name was Jackie, really? Could be. Hey, everyone. If you don't want to get vaporized, I highly recommend that you leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And also, if you like what you hear and you want us to thank you in a future episode, please go to patreon.com slash fire the cannon if you'd like to give us a few dollars a month to let us know you're appreciating the podcast and, you know, just help us out with things here and there. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, like regular things, like podcasting things, (laughs) just normal podcasting stuff. (laughs) We promise we'll only do podcasting stuff with it. (laughs) Please, please become a patron. I have so many iTunes gift cards. I have to send the FBI. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Should I, should I go back to the book? Back to the book. Yes, girl, back to the book. So the party has three slogans, which are the quote that Theo read at the beginning. War is peace, freedom is slavery, and that right there, ignorance is strength. Is that what you said? It was close enough. Y'all know ignorance is strength. <laughs> I don't have to tell you. Winston has been having ideas for some time about... The fact that he doesn't like how this world is and he doesn't really remember a better version of the world because this is 1984. He's 39. The revolution happened like in the 40s, late 40s, early 50s. Mm. And then during the 50s and 60s is when they like purged everything. Like they killed everybody old enough to remember the old world. They got rid of all the books. They got rid of all the art. They either bombed all the buildings or if they didn't bomb them, they like repurposed them into government buildings. So basically... 
everything was destroyed during the 50s and 60s, and now he's 39, and he doesn't remember what it was like. But he thinks, the fact that I don't like how things are tells me that there must be something wrong with it. Because if I have this like <laughs> feeling deep within myself that this isn't right, that must must mean that that must mean that's not right. And he wonders if there's a way that they could get rid of Big Brother, basically. He goes to walk around the parole parts of town sometimes, which is kind of a dangerous thing to do, but he tries to like keep it on the down low and keep it infrequent enough, not go to any place more than once. So he goes to this like antique shop at one point and he buys a diary. It's not allowed for you to have paper. It's not allowed for you to have a pen and it's not allowed for you to put pen to paper, but he takes them and he starts to write in his little alcove where he can't be seen in his apartment. And the first thing he writes, I think it's April 14th, 1984. And then we find out that he's not actually sure of the date because history has been so destroyed by this point that you cannot really pin down the date within a year or two. Like he knows it's the early 80s, but beyond that, he knows he knows it's like cold outside, but it's almost spring. So he reckons it's about April, but that's the degree to which things are uncertain and you really can't know what's true and what's not true. He starts writing in the diary. And the first thing he writes is for reasons he can't even explain himself is a memory of a movie that he had gone to the other night. The party was showing a movie and everybody was there, proles and party members. And it was like a war film, right, Rachel? Mm -hmm. They were showing um, the firebombing of a boat full of refugees. Almost everyone there is just like hooting and hollering. They're loving seeing these children and parents killed. Yes, please. One woman stands up and starts saying, it's not right. It's not right. They shouldn't have showed this. They oh, oughtn't God. to show it to the kids. She's going to get vaped. <laughs> yeah, she's going to get vaped. Oh, my God. <laughs> big bro here. Something, dudes. This is big bro speaking. Dude, she's going to get so vaped, man. No, she's a parole. They don't care what the parole say. Yeah, so he starts going into this, like, PTSD trance a little bit, and then he's like, whoa, I don't know what I've been doing. Then he starts thinking about something that happened at work the previous day. So every day on the telescreen, whether it's at your house or at work or wherever you happen to be if you're a party member they have something called the two minutes hate so the day is kind of fragmented into these different programs like you start out the day with someone coming on the screen and being like all right comrades get up everybody move your muscles stretch around get your back all limbered up like i know you're not on the front lines but you got to be prepared anyway <laughs> and winston gets called out by the woman <laughs> yeah. leading them she literally says we see you comrade smith <laughs> Stretch a little more. Yeah, she says, W. Smith, try harder. I know you can touch your toes. <laughs> That's my nightmare. Someone seeing how bad I am at stretching. Our best. You're letting down all of the brave yeah, lads I know on the better. front lines. Like, no, I can't. <laughs> But another thing that they do is every day they have something called the two minutes hate. So there's a couple of enemies of the party, which who even knows at this point if they're real people or not. We think they're real people. But one of them is named Emmanuel Goldstein, and he's kind of like enemy number one. He used to be a party member, apparently, but then he started turning on them and he was imprisoned. He wrote a book, a subversive a book. A subversive book. We don't even know what it's called. It's just called the book. And he escaped and is living in exile somewhere. And so he's the enemy of the party because they think that he might be trying to like overthrow them. So every day they put Emmanuel Goldstein's face on the telescreen. Everybody has two minutes to just like freak out at this thing. And they intersperse his face with like the face of a sheep and wow. all these little like subliminal messaging type things. So this happens. And I guess the idea behind it is, you know, when you're looking at it from the outside, that's two minutes that everybody has to like vent all their frustrations and keep their anger directed at somewhere other than at the party. Like they don't want them looking at themselves. They want them looking outside. So they make this 
enemy out of Emmanuel Goldstein. Is this also like a little bit of anti-Semitism? Is that what he's trying to say? I mean, yeah, but like also it seems like Orwell was a little bit anti-Semitic or at least Winston's anti-Semitic. That's what I'm thinking. Like, it's almost like his writing is accusing the party of being anti-Semitic, but he also, the narrator seems like he's anti-Semitic, yeah, right? the narrator definitely is. I wouldn't be surprised if Orwell was a little anti-Semitic being an English guy born in the 1800s. Yeah, who knows? The way that it describes him, it's like... It's a lean Jewish face. Oh, he has a Jewish face, and it's bad. (laughs) It looks like a sheep. Here's some sheep to literally replace the face with. You might not even notice the difference. So that happens. He's writing about that. And he notices during this one particular session of Two Minutes Hate, there's another person he works with named O'Brien. And O'Brien is, like, higher up in the party than he is. So he knows who he is, but he hasn't, like, ever talked to him or anything. Um, he and Winston lock eyes for just a fraction of a second. And just for that one little portion of the second, Winston thinks that he sees in O'Brien's eyes, like a kindred thought, like they both for a second, let the mask drop off their face. Uh And this is one of the times that you're not supposed to look passive. You're supposed to look like furious. He was conscious of the fact that he wasn't doing a good job of like looking convincingly angry enough. And him and O'Brien looked at each other and they both kind of looked the same way. And then they both, I guess, out of fear, turned it back on and ignored that. So Winston's like, did I imagine it? Like, did we really give each other that look? Did it mean what I thought it meant? It's a little bit like a like a 12 year old girl being in love with her crush or something. Or even now. How it is for you, Theo. (laughs) She's not looking as angry as I would expect. Maybe she's in love with me. me. (laughs) That's really funny. I was watching a video of someone who was like breaking down this guy who had a like who was explaining why men cheat. And of course, he was like being very stupid about it. But he was like, listen, guys, there are seven women for every man in the world. (laughs) Whoa, that's just good math. (laughs) That's awesome for you guys. Why does he say that? And he's like, I don't really know the numbers, but I know it's something like that. I don't really know the numbers, but I know it's something like that. Oh, can I please tell just an aside real quick? So this is something that Theo said to Rachel and I. We did get to see each other for the three of us a little bit, got to hang out with each other a couple days after Christmas. There was a spider sitting out on the patio with us. And Theo said- The spider we talked about on a previous episode. Perhaps. Is the spider of the land. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He said, here's a fact about spiders. Did you know that every spider you see, wherever it is now, it's no further than an inch from where it was born? And we were all like, what? And he said, completely seriously, well, I don't remember the unit of measurement, but it's something like that. (laughs) Like it could be a mile. It could be an inch. It's a good fact. It was like every spider you see is less than an inch from where it was born. Yeah, that's what he said. It's a great fact. And then he was like, well, it could have been an inch, could have been something else. I don't know. But isn't that a great fact? And we were like, no, it really matters what the unit of measurement is. (laughs) I just thought that was really funny. Sorry, Theo. Yeah. I mean, you're going to regret that. I'm going to regret that you did something hilarious. Not taking me seriously. (laughs) Yeah. You need to go back to your deep voice because that was not threatening at all. You're going to regret that. (laughs) You're going to regret that. Seth? Try to be Seth again. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Seth is both really high-pitched voice and also very old-fashioned. Anyway, so this happens. Him and O'Brien look at each other and he thinks, oh my God, could he think the same way as me? Like, maybe he's not into this. 
at the same time, there's a girl who's sitting behind him and he has seen this girl around before. And she, at this point in the book, doesn't have a name. Like he doesn't know her name. He just calls her the girl. The dark haired girl from the fiction department is where she works. And she has a red sash that she wears around her waist, which signifies her as a member of the junior anti-sex league because another goal of the party is basically to kill the sex instinct as much as they can. Like they don't want anybody to have sex for any reason other than for rec, I mean, for, for recreation, for reproduction. <laughs> <laughs> and even with reproduction, like you're not supposed to enjoy it at all or anything. Mm-hmm. They have decided that like they can't really fully squish that instinct in people. So they just want to make it as weird and unnatural seeming as possible. So she's a member of the anti-sex league. Yeah. Basically, as long as party members don't have affairs with other party members, it's fine. You can still get married. You can still like find sex workers from the lower classes, but you yeah. really? like, they say can't that? have an affair with another party member. They don't say it, but everybody knows it's true. Uh, they don't really prosecute you super heavily or try to find out if you're having sex with a prostitute. I mean, everyone kind of does it, but you do want to be discreet about it. And he also says that if you ever do want to get married, you have to have it approved by a committee and they'll only approve it if it's clear that you're not attracted to each other at all. Wow. <laughs> so it's like the opposite of the proposal with Sandra Bullock. <laughs> yeah. How do you prove it? I don't know. And they just have to be able to tell. They strip the other person naked in front of you and you go, blah. Like Yuck. You go, ooh, I don't want to throw up at the side of your breasts. Oh, no. That means I'm not attracted to you. Right. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's from the That's Lysistrata. That's a reference to a past episode, everyone. The Greek myths episode? No, that was right, the Lysistrata. Or no. No, no, no. Lysistrata. <laughs> I was thinking about that, though, because apparently, like, not only can the telescreens read the expression on your face, but they can also detect if your heart rate goes up. They're almost like lie detector tests. Oh, if your heart starts fluttering at the sight of your bride. Yeah. At the sight of your bride, you either have a heart condition or you're attracted to her. So yeah, you're not allowed to have that. So anyway, he sees this girl. She's like beautiful, but she's got this red sash on and he notices her a lot. He thinks she's attractive, but he also hates her because she's attractive. Very incelly. Very incelly. He says like the reason he hates her is because he wants to go to bed with her and he knows that he can't. He hates all women, but he especially hates young, pretty women because... Which like... Come on, Winston. It's too early in the book to say that kind of stuff and keep me on your side. I know. I mean, but it did kind of make me get on George Orwell's side because I was like, huh. I mean, he pretty much just explained the mindset of an incel pretty well. I know, but maybe he was like, and they're right to feel that way. (laughs) I didn't get that impression that Orwell thought that. (laughs) But he did seem to be able to write it well enough that I was like, hmm, a little suspicious there. (laughs) Anyway, that's how Winston feels. He is also afraid of her because he thinks she's watching him. She's sitting behind him at this two minutes hate thing. And he thinks that she is watching him and is judging him for like not getting angry enough. There's members of what? It's called the thought police and they're kind of infiltrated among the party members and you're not really ever going to know who's a true member of the thought police who's just a regular person and then there's some people who aren't thought police but they're spies like they're just like vigilante spies that decide to try to try to turn people in for different things so he thinks she's probably a spy but could actually be a member of the thought police but he's not sure so every time he sees her he gets really scared also little kids are trained to turn in their parents yeah oh my gosh if they think they do something so it's just like you're never safe anywhere it's do they get rewarded if they turn in someone what's the benefit of being a vigilante spy pride of a job well done pride of a job well done. same thing i got when i got good grades same thing i got when i was a vigilante (laughs) yeah (laughs) I mean, this is the, you know, a fascist society. So 
everybody gets a participation trophy. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's basically where we're headed because of all those gold stars. <laughs> yeah. But it's terrifying because the descriptions of the kids are like, you get the sense that they're children, right? Like they don't realize that there are benefits to pretending to act that way. They just actually feel that way. And they legitimately hate people that they think are enemies of Big Brother. They get great enjoyment and they think it's fun to spy on people and turn them in and get them killed. It's like Mean Girls. It's mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah, it's just like Mean Girls. Yeah. Can <laughs> we put this in terms I'll understand? It's like Mean Girls. You are not allowed to have a burn book, though. That's bad. Mm. <laughs> so we're introduced to those two characters, the darkhead girl and O'Brien. And at this point, he hasn't talked to either of them. He's starting to get it in his head that like maybe he could figure out a way to talk to O'Brien and somehow ask him if he agrees with him or not. But... Oh, one other thing. So after he made the eye contact, like the significant eye contact with O'Brien, when he's thinking like when he's singing to himself, I'm never going to follow up on that. But these like little moments of other people maybe showing you that you're not alone are, are all people have. And he kind of thinks back to other times when he's like, I saw two people meet up one time and it kind of looked like maybe they were giving each other a secret signal. And he just kind of thinks back to a few times when maybe it could be interpreted one way or maybe not. But it's dangerous even to think about these kinds of things because it is possible that the thought police will notice some sign and so to try to solve that problem everybody does what is called double think so this is another one of those famous phrases you'll see around 1984 double speak double think it's the idea that you need to hold in your head two contrasting ideas and accept them both or convince yourself that something is true that's obviously not true and that's kind of one of the ways that you can think your thoughts but at the same time Do it in a way so that you're not going to get caught. So two plus two equals five is like one of those. If you can convince yourself that two plus two equals five, then everything else will follow. Well, did I really get that right? Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. I thought you knew the answer. Yeah, I thought you knew it. No, I just guessed. His example in the book. I just don't know arithmetic. (laughs) One of the examples is that um, there's an announcement from Big Brother where they say like, we're reducing your chocolate ration for the week from 30 grams to 20 grams. And then later uh, they're told, like there's another announcement that says like, wow, this week Big Brother upped our chocolate ration from 10 grams to 20 grams. Yeah, like we're so pleased to announce that we're giving you more chocolate now when in reality it's less, but yeah, no one's allowed to acknowledge that. <laughs> so he has one friend and he says basically like, you know, we're not actually supposed to have friends because everyone's supposed to be comrades, but there are some comrades that you, you know, like you more than other comrades. Less. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Syme clearly hates Winston or like looks down on him. And he knows it. And he doesn't really like Syme that much either. Yeah. But he says basically like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's how friendship works, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, so Syme, they both work at the Ministry of Truth, but they do different things. So Syme is a lexicographer and he's working on the 11th edition of the New Speak Dictionary, which is when you hear them say things like instead of saying great, they would say like double plus good. Or instead of saying bad, you say like not good or whatever. Or what is it? It was like anti-good, something like that. It's uh, not good, double not good. Plus good, double plus good. Yeah, so the idea is they're trying to economize language. So they said, why would you have words like excellent, good, great, awesome, when you could just have like one word and then add qualifiers to it? And then 
you don't even need the word bad anymore, really, because by having the concept of good, you've already got the concept of bad built in. So we can do away with all those words. And Syme is really excited about this idea. And he's like, within like 20 years, Winston, no one's going to know what any of those words even mean. Like, no one's even going to remember those words. It's going to be so double plus good. (laughs) See, this I like. You like this? (laughs) You want this to happen? He is a Syme. He is. Except replace good with average. Double plus average. (laughs) Double plus average. (laughs) So just average. Okay. But Syme is really into this. And Winston's thinking to himself, Syme is totally going to be vaporized. He's going straight in the vape pen. The reason is because, so Syme is like a very, very passionate party member. And he really cares about like the tenets of Ingsoc, which is their ideology. And it comes from English socialism. So Syme is like super, super into it. And you would think that would be a good thing, but it's not because he's not discreet. So he, he loves the thing he's working on. He thinks it's awesome. He's like, if we can eliminate all these words, then we'll eliminate the concepts. And then no one can ever commit thought crime because they won't be able to even conceive of it. But the way that he talks about it, he's able to like actually think through you know the consequences of this but you know he thinks it's wonderful yeah big brother doesn't want people to understand why this is happening he just he's just explained why it's happening right you're just supposed to passively accept (laughs) yeah he's thinking if i ever said anything this guy would turn me in immediately and he'd be happy to do it and like he's very bloody minded and hates you know who the party tells him to hate and loves what the party tells him to love he's just way too smart and thoughtful and blunt for his own good and he just Mm -hmm. says things that reveal his intelligence and winston's like yeah he's definitely getting vaped because you're not supposed to reveal that you have a highly functioning brain like big brother wants you to be just smart enough to do what it needs you to do but not any smarter than that and he's looking around him at all the people in the cafeteria where they're having this terrible gray lunch because of course it's a totalitarian regime so of course your food's all going to be gray and gross and the alcohol's bad and the cigarettes are bad (laughs) and the alcohol's bad cigarettes are bad yeah and he's looking around the room and he's like you know what's weird is that big brother the party always wants us to think that the emblem or like the the typical person in the party who lives there is like a big strapping blonde person who's like strong and rosy cheeked and great at work. But he looks around him and he's like, actually, nobody looks like that. Everybody looks like kind of small and sick. <laughs> um, but he's looking around thinking, yeah, Syme's going to get vaporized. I'm going to get vaporized. O'Brien's probably going to get vaporized. And then he's looking at the kind of dumber people around him. And he's like, yeah, and these dummies are going to be fine. Winston's very, um, he's a snob. <laughs> he's, he's in a terrible situation, but he is snobbish. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. He's just like, yeah, these people are too idiotic to, to live. <laughs> I consider it an honor to be vaporized. <laughs> like in this world, you'd be like, you're never going to get vaporized because you're so stupid. <laughs> um, you, Theo, if you lived in this world, you'd go your whole elementary school career being like, can't wait to get vaporized early. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, I know I'm going to get vaporized one day, but I'm going to get vaporized before all the rest yeah. of you guys. <laughs> Every time they call my name, oh, I'm going to go gonna get vaporized. vaporized. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to explain what that's a reference to, Theo? Quick little pluggy plug. Yeah, I have a podcast <laughs> called Inside the Mind of a Child Genius. And on that podcast, I told a story about how I always thought I would get to skip a grade or two. So every time someone said like, hey, Theo, the teacher needs you over here, he would think it's happening. I'm skipping a grade. (laughs) This is my moment. (laughs) Legitimately. It was so funny. Yeah. So check that out. It's called Inside the Mind of a Child Genius. It's a podcast. It's probably on one of the episodes. Can't remember which one. It is on one of the episodes. That's my plug. Yeah. Because I think that's how I learned that about Theo, actually. I didn't know that before. But now that I know that about him, it just makes so much sense. 
it's so funny because little kids do think stuff like that. And it's funny to admit it as an adult. Uh. <laughs> I actually did skip a grade. Theo, remember? Well. Jealous? Not anymore. I would have been. I actually did get vaporized early, Theo. Jealous? Yeah. Yep. Wait, which grade did you get? Uh, I combined first and second because I was homeschooled. And then when I got there, they I took a test and they were like, where should we put you? Oh, uh, you were homeschooled. Yeah, you knew that. Doesn't yeah. count. Doesn't count. Doesn't count. I could have gone in an even. I could have gone in an even higher grade. Anybody could have. Well, she has friends in that grade. Anybody could have. <laughs> no, they could. Doesn't count. Wow. Oh my gosh, I can't believe how much that doesn't count. Every time Rachel's mom said, "Rachel, come to bed," she would think, "Ooh, I'm skipping a grade." <laughs> <laughs> I was skipped a grade not in homeschool when I went from homeschool yeah, to public can school. Skip a grade when they've been they gave me an IQ test at the public school. And wow, said, I can't believe all this time I thought it counted that you skipped a grade, but it really doesn't because <laughs> you were homeschooled. Theo, you are so jealous. It's so obvious. So There's jealous. jealousy oozing out of all your pores. I mean, I'm I not jealous because, yeah, it doesn't matter because you were homeschooled. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So he is not jealous. Moving on. He's so. jealous. Okay. Audience, write in and say if you think he's jealous or not. <laughs> Rachel thinks she's playing into my jealousy, but I'm playing on her pride. She can't help it that I continue to say she. she <laughs> I didn't, can't help yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> she, can't, she can't help it that she, can't, she she can't help it that I continue to say she can't, help, she can't help it that she has to keep finding some way to undercut my great point that she was homeschooled and thus it doesn't count <laughs> okay audience write in and say if you think I'm playing into his jealousy or he's oh, playing man. into my pride sorry guys I just got the call I'm about to get vaporized see ya <laughs> keep living your dumb lives well this is interesting Theo can you kind of explain some more about how you're not insecure about this yeah, you're not at all jealous. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying Rachel wouldn't keep calling me jealous if she wasn't so prideful. <laughs> huh. Yeah. I mean, Jackie's not jealous and I'm not on her case about it. Well, I because it doesn't count, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I think the, the bad part of Jackie's personality that's coming out here is she Excuse she me, likes to I kind of stoke anything. the flames. She likes to stir the pot a little bit. <laughs> oh, Rachel, say something else. Say something else to Theo. That's what Jackie's doing. <laughs> yeah. I kind of am now. She's perhaps the worst of all of us. She's like that one of those little demons from the screw tape letters. Or one of the goblins from the bells. I like it when you guys fight because usually it's me and Rachel fighting or it's me and Theo like taking jabs at each other, but usually it's not Theo versus Rachel. It's not, this isn't a fight. This is just a matter of one person pointing out that something doesn't count and the other person making up wild, crazy <laughs> reasons for why the other person would say that. Rachel, I feel like you were barely homeschooled. For some reason, I always thought it was longer than just kindergarten. Like that's not homeschooling. That's just starting school. Right? I, I was homeschooled for kindergarten and first, gr well, not even all. I okay. I started public. So, so when I was really little, my mom just started teaching me stuff because I guess she was bored. Because you know, normally she would work, but she had to quit working because she had so many little kids at the time. So she, when I was really little, she just started like teaching me different reading and math and stuff. So then I went to kindergarten for a week, and all we did was color. And I complained about it, and she was like, "Let's take you out of there." So she homeschooled me for first and or kindergarten and first grade. And then they thought I was going to go to second grade in the elementary school, but they put me in third and they could have put me in fourth, but all my friends were in third. And then I did homeschool for fifth grade again. Oh, again. Okay. Yeah. And then I did private Christian middle school and then public high school. Wow. You were really messed up. I went to Montessori <laughs> preschool. 
They almost did something similar with me where they like brought me in for a test before kindergarten and it said that I could go in, but they were like, eh, that'll make you like crazy young compared to everybody else. So don't do it. And I still graduated like younger than everybody except for Rachel. Theo, jealous. I was younger than you two when you graduated. Yeah, that's true. That part is true. <laughs> yeah. And you're still younger than us to this day. Yeah. <laughs> she got your ass. No, she didn't. I got your ass. She did. All right. Back to the book. <laughs> all right. So Winston's remembering all these things to himself. And at some point he looks down and he's still writing in his diary. These are just his memories. But he looks down and he realizes he has written down with big brother, oh, down gosh. with big brother in all caps a bunch of times. And he thinks to himself, oh, on the well, nose. <laughs> I was dead before just by writing anything in this diary. But now I'm definitely 100% dead. And then he thinks to himself, well, since I'm basically a dead man walking, I really want to live now. <laughs> what? If you're having trouble like feeling purpose in your life guys treason commit treason Commit treason yeah and then you'll think wow no i want to live i want to live yeah you'll have like your scrooge moment everybody's <laughs> got one everybody's got one there's seven women for every man and there's one scrooge moment for every person do you guys think that big brother is a good name no well it would have been at the time because it would have been more original than it is now i just think it doesn't even make sense a big brother doesn't like watch people all the time a big brother is just like really <laughs> a big cool brother and is a guy with them. a high-pitched voice who rollerblades <laughs> yeah kind of like me i'm a little scrappy i don't know <laughs> is he theo i can sense the self-assuredness just like oozing out of your pores oh, in this episode he seems so confident <laughs> theo's feeling himself but what come on what would you what would you name it if it wasn't Big brother. Craig. Craig? Yeah. That's your answer to everything. Craig is watching you. That's my stepdad's name. Yeah. This is the second time on the podcast you've named something Craig for no reason. Because whenever you're around, I, I don't know. It's just like a, I'm assuming he doesn't listen to the podcast. Is that right? He doesn't. No, he definitely doesn't. <laughs> it's not a good name. <laughs> what? Yeah, I know. Sorry to all you Craigs out there. You can make up for it in other ways. Hmm. It sounds like a fake name. It's like egg with a cra. It's like Chris and egg combined. What? Yeah. No, it sounds like crag, but a little different. Crag? No, it, means it sounds from like the craggy rock. I'm in crag mode, you know? Do you guys ever get your crags mixed up, all the different crags in your life? I don't have any crags have in my you, life. Have a few scrambled uh, crags? <sighs> if you want to make an omelet, you have to crack a few crags. Is that what you're going to say? I don't know. Um, but anyway. You know, I, the original version of Yesterday, you know, that the most famous song Paul McCartney ever wrote, well, he had the melody come to him in a dream, so he didn't know the words. So originally he was singing it to the tune of scrambled eggs. Really? Yeah, that's not a joke. Other things that happen that matter in this part of the book are that Winston goes to sleep and he has a dream about the girl with the dark hair. And in the dream, they're in the field and she walks up to him and just tears off her clothes. And he's like, huh, she tore off her clothes in such a casual way. I like that. Such a cool way. <laughs> he was like, it's not even that she's naked. It's the way she threw her clothes on the ground. That the was way so she cool. became naked. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want someone to think that about you someday, Theo? Um, that whenever you take your clothes off, it's like it's as though the whole big brother and the party and the thought police could all be swept away into nothingness by a single splendid movement of the arm. She's wearing overalls and a sash around her waist. You can't take that off with a single arm movement. Mm. Mm. Not even in a dream. <laughs> That's just unrealistic. I could. <laughs> really? Yeah. One big windmill? Yeah. <laughs> it's such a cool movement. <laughs> so you kind of get the sense that something is going to happen with this girl. So Winston goes walking into the prole area of town again. There's a bomb that doesn't matter at all in the book. <laughs> it's just like, oh my God, there's a bomb. And he like jumps out of the way and he's like, eh, yeah, bombs happen sometimes. And he sees a severed hand on the ground and he like kicks it into the gutter and keeps walking like it's nothing. Whoa. But so this is where he sees the old man 
walking and he's like that guy's like 80 years old like that guy had to have been middle-aged by the time the revolution happened in the 40s so i bet he has like really clear memories of what it was like to be younger (gasps) i'm gonna go talk to that guy so he steps into this bar full of pearls and everybody kind of like record screech like looks at him and they're like why is there a party man in blue overall standing in here (laughs) that's what i want people to say about me why is there a party man yeah, here? Why is a party man? <laughs> He's clearly a party man. <laughs> Just look at his outfit. <laughs> I brought the party. But everybody kind of gets used to it eventually because their uh, attention is distracted by the man having that fight about what a pint is with the bartender. So Winston goes up and he's like, hey, let me buy you a drink. So he gets him some beer and he sits down with him and he's like, look, you're insanely old. You must remember what it was like to live in earlier times before the revolution. Can you please tell me what it was like? The old man is like playing dumb, I hope. (laughs) He is like Theo when you're trying to ask him a question. Okay, so let's explain this because – This was infuriating to me, but it was Winston who is infuriating to me because instead of here's what I would have done. I would have said, hey, when you were younger, do you think the world was better than it is now or do you think the world is worse now? And then I would stop talking. But what Winston does is he says he's asking him about top hats, (laughs) but he doesn't even ask him. He's giving him like a monologue. He's like, back in the day when you were young, there was something called capitalists and they wore top hats and you had to bow to them when you passed them on the street. And then there were also all of these other people who didn't have enough to eat and half of them didn't even have shoes. And then there was this going on and this going on and this and this. And is that true? And the guy's like, of course, you just name like 60 different things. So he gets confused and he like focuses on the top hats and he's like, oh, I will top pet once it was at my sister-in-law's funeral blah 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 oh my gosh Oh, I rented it, I did. I rented it. It was just for the day. And then Winston's like, the, the top hats aren't important. What I want to know is like, was life better then or now? But he follows it up again with like a huge monologue, like telling the guy what life used to be like. And he's like, so like that? And the guy's like, oh yeah, one time a rich guy bumped into me and he got mad and I was like, hey, fuck off. And here's exactly <laughs> what he said and here's exactly what I said. And Winston was like, I don't need the details. I just want to know like overall, how was the world? But he keeps asking it in the wrong way. He says like, would you rather be alive then or now and the old man says and I knew and I knew before the guy even responded I knew what he was going to say because of dealing with Theo (laughs) well I don't know I was just thinking I had a flashback to like different patients I've talked to and stuff where you just can't get them to answer a question because they get so wrapped up in like other crazy details and I just knew what this guy was going to say like look you were alive in 1925 and you're alive now in 1984 so like which one would you rather live in and the man's like oh well you know there are some advantages to being a young man and you've got your (laughs) health and you've got this and you got that you're strong but there's some good things about being old for example i don't have to worry about women anymore i haven't had a woman in 30 years i don't don't got no libido anymore i got no libido anymore it's great winston's like this sucks so he's not going to get anything out of him and he realizes what a troll within a pretty short amount of time what a pro a pro troll Paw Pearl Troll. <laughs> that was awful. Um, he realizes like, wow, probably within 20 years, like nobody's going to remember what life was like because everybody will be dead. And even these days, like nobody remembers what it was like because they've had their memories basically squished by all the misinformation. They just can't see the big picture. Like all of these people in the proletariat, they're so bogged down by just the silly details of their stupid lives. They can't see what's happening to them on a on a broader scale. How condescending. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, the thing is, Winston also always talks about how, like, if a revolution ever happens, it's going to come from the proles. They are the ones, they're the only ones who can do it there's because so they're many not spied them. on. And they're, yeah, there's so many. But then every time he interacts with them, he's like, they're never going to revolt because they're so dumb and all they care about is like gambling and yeah. sex 
movies. Like it's almost like the Fremen and Dune, like there's a ton of them and only a very few of the comparatively of the people in actual power. And if they just got together and rose up, like they could easily overthrow the party. But unlike the Fremen and Dune, the proles are pretty beaten down and don't actually realize that they have all this power, Hmm. but they could easily do it if they just ever thought about it. But there are people in the Thought Police who do move among the proles, and every, like, once in a blue moon, if they ever do find somebody smart enough to maybe be dangerous, they take them out. Is it possible that the the old man's answers are supposed to indicate that his life hasn't really changed much in either system, in the old system or this system? Yeah, maybe. It could be. That he doesn't, like, if you're poor, it's a bad system for you either way. I mean, I thought that was a really interesting part of the book. I also wonder if maybe part of it is that because the way Winston interprets it is that, oh, this man is just too stupid. Like he just can't answer the question. But I also kind of wonder, like, if it's that none of us can answer a question like that without thinking of our own personal experiences. And he talks about how, like, on paper, I can write about how the proles have the power to overthrow the party. But then when I look at an individual prole on the street, I think I just feel so hopeless, you know, because it's like you don't think about the individual people having the power to do that. It is hard, I think, to see the context in which you're living, even if you've lived for many years. Hmm. Like if you've just been kept down for so long and been poor for so long and haven't been allowed to see anything. Right. You don't get the sense that his life was really great, but maybe he just doesn't remember that it was great. Yeah. I mean, it seems like he's sort of fondly reminiscing. He's like, oh, right. Royalty. I remember them or whatever. Anyway. So Winston's just kind of pissed off. He's like, "Ugh, whatever. So he leaves the bar and he just kind of wanders around mindlessly and he looks up and he realizes he has walked to the antique shop where he got the diary originally. And he feels afraid because he's like, oh, shit, I didn't mean to come here. Like, I'm not supposed to frequent places around here. They're going to start to, like, see there's a pattern. But he thinks, you know what, while I'm here, I might as well just go inside one more time. So he goes in and he talks with the old shopkeeper. And the shopkeeper sells him a little piece of coral that's, like, encased in glass. And the point of that is basically just that it's a pointless, pretty thing. And useless, pretty things have been destroyed by the party long ago. So Winston's like, oh, it'll just be, like, a little subversive secret of mine if I just buy this paperweight with some coral in it. He buys it and he also sees a part of the store that has like like an upstairs apartment area where the old man used to live. And it's got like a bed and a chair and there's no telescreen. And Winston's like, oh my God, you don't have a screen in here. And the guy's like, eh, it's too expensive. I never got one. And Winston's like, what if I just rented this room for a little bit of money and I could just sit in this chair and not have anybody watch me and it'd be great. And then he's like, don't even think that. Don't even think that. That's scary. He leaves the shop and he notices the girl with the dark hair behind him. And he thinks there is no way that we just happen to be on the same street. She's following me. And he thinks, okay. I know now that she's following me. I know that she's a spy. I could probably catch her if I chase her and just bash her head in with this paperweight. And then that would solve my problem. Instead, he hesitates too long. She walks away and he's like, well, I'm dead. I didn't kill her. She's going to turn me in and I'm dead. Wow. You never want to miss your opportunity to bash someone's head in. You never want to miss your opportunity to bash. You only have one chance. Do not not miss your chance to bash. Yeah, mom's spaghetti. (laughs) Okay, how much more do we have to do? Can I say one more thing? That's the end. Oh, that's the end? Yeah. I don't know. I just wonder why would any totalitarian leader want to like rule over a country in that way? It just, I don't understand the motivation. If there are any totalitarians out there listening, please write in. I kind of found myself wondering the same thing though, Theo. Like I kept wondering, what are the motivations of this government? Yeah. Why do you want to do this? And I was like, well, it's not real. So I don't know. (laughs) Like what? (laughs) Because Winston writes in his diary at one point, he writes in all caps, I know how, I do not know why. 
Like he understands how the party is rewriting history because he's a part of it and he sees how it happens. But he's like, I really don't understand why. Like, what is the ultimate goal? Who is benefiting from this? Are there people at the top that, you know, you assume like there must be fat cats at the top, right? Like who are living it up and not eating this nasty, gross food. Or does everybody really believe that, yeah, like it's okay for everybody to have kind of nothing good as long as everybody has something, you know, because that's what think that's what people think about socialism, right? Like even though this isn't socialism in the book, this is what people think socialism is that, well, if you keep everyone fed, then everyone is going to have to eat gross food. Mm. So in order for the rest of us to like enjoy things, some people just have to have nothing. That's what annoys me about the interpretation of this book. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that in later episodes. But I think people see the system as Orwell described it and they think, well, <laughs> this is why some people have to just starve and suffer and die because the rest of us need our freedom. Yeah. But nobody wants to be the person who starves and suffers and dies. Well, yeah, but I feel like most people think I'm not going to be that person who starves and suffers and dies. Right, because I'm smart. I'm industrious. I work hard. Uh-huh. Yeah. So far, I, as I read the book, I keep going back and forth between like liking it okay and not really liking it. And I, I kind of feel bad for Orwell because, you know, so much of this book is kind of standard at this point that I think a lot of stuff that I could think is pretty good. I'm just like, ugh, you see it everywhere. Yeah. I mean, he just seems like a miserable guy. Like the description of him in my book says he was a man of intense feelings and fierce hates. He hated totalitarianism. He was critical of communism, but considered himself a socialist. He hated intellectuals, although he was a literary critic. He hated cant and lying and cruelty in life and in literature. He died at 47. Oh, so I guess he didn't die. In, he wasn't born in the 1800s. He was born in like 1901 or whatever. You totally misjudged him, Rachel. I totally misjudged him. I was he like was born in 1903. years off. Oh, in Bengal. Oh my gosh, I was four years off. Yeah. Four years off. Um... So when I read this in high school, I, I don't really remember anything about it. Now that I'm reading it, I think he actually was a very talented writer. Like, I think his prose is good. I think his characterization is interesting. Prose for the bros. Bros for the prose. Prose for the bros. I'm just thinking about it. Prose before bros. Like thighs for the guys. Oh, you know? okay. Okay. Oh. Curls for the girls. Is that I'm talking about teeth? Curls. Oh, I thought you said pearls. Like pearly lips. <laughs> 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 pearly <white. laughs> Women love it when a man smiles. <laughs> and shows those curly teeth. If it weren't for the women, I'd never brush. <laughs> I don't know. Did you think that, Rachel? Like, I think the way he writes is good, and I feel like that's part of why this has such appeal to people, is he's able to describe things in a way that clearly sets up Winston as someone who sees what is happening, but also doubts his own mind and doubts what he's seeing. And another famous quote from this book is, the party told you to reject the evidence of your eyes and ears. It was their final, most essential command. This gets quoted all of the time by people on both sides of the political spectrum. And I hate that there's two sides, but we do live in a bipartisan system. So I, it, it's just maddening. Like, it's maddening to think about. And we've become more bipartisan than ever. And I could see both sides making the same argument from the same sources. And 1984 is one of those sources. Everybody thinks that the other side is rejecting the evidence of their eyes and ears mm. and that they're being told to do so. And we all think we're right. <laughs> mm. I don't know. I 
I feel like this is why reading this book just freaks me out. Like it doesn't freak me out because I'm like, oh no, this is the world we're about to live in or that we do live in. It's just like, this is how people just get really confused about their own motivations and the motivations of others. Right. Do you kind of sense mm. that, Rachel? Like I said, the the book is not, nobody could agree with this guy 100%. So I think honestly, that's why whenever people are like, oh my gosh, it's so Orwellian or like, oh. Well, that's why it's ridiculous when they make that comparison. Yeah. Do you sense like what I got from it that, like you start to realize how complicated everything is and you're wondering like, am I one of these people who don't really know what's going on? And, you know, but I think everybody else doesn't know what's going on, but maybe it's me. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about, but I'm not freaked out by this book at all. <laughs> I think our listeners know to trust their ears. Exactly. <laughs> this has been Fire the Cannon. Oh, Tune God. in next week to see if Jackie's still afraid. <laughs> Tune in next week to see if Jackie has, like, been able to put into words what she's thinking. Because currently she can't. Oh, yeah, that is um, a good cliffhanger. It's not like a panic or, like, a fear or anything that I feel about the state of the world or anything. It's more about, like, despair about how complicated everything is and how much misinformation there is. It just seems hopeless, you know what I mean? Like, it just seems like everything's, like, so messed up by this point that you're like, can we ever... And that's something that Winston goes through. He's like, what is the truth? Like, if I remember something, but I have no evidence of it, like, does that mean that it's true? Or does that mean that it's not true because I have no evidence? Anyway, George Orwell did a great job of capturing that feeling in words that I can't do. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for listening in on our first episode of the new year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, our first episode in the new year. We're talking 2022. Yeah, we are so excited to be uh, starting the year off the way that we are. We have a lot of really cool guests in the pipelines. <laughs> I, I thought who, you were going to say, we're so exciting to be starting the year off right. Instead, she was like, uh, the the way that we're starting it. The way that we're starting <laughs> it, yeah. You decide if it's right or wrong. Email us. We're still waiting on a Jackie-specific patron, everyone. We are. We've gotten a few new patrons. None of them have said anything about wanting yeah. to be Jackie's patron. <laughs> yeah, I should say that um, if you do become a patron, please send us a message in any format, like either on Patreon or just through Instagram or Twitter or our email address or our Facebook group, and tell them who you want to be the patron of. And make that person tell meet. us. Tell us, yeah. Tell us. Yeah, it, it does seem particularly rude if we're having this stretch goal and Rachel and I already have patrons and you don't, and people are becoming patrons and not becoming your patrons. We can't call them rude. We're still happy for them. Should we? Should we call them out for their rudeness? Okay, no, rude person number one. Not we're not going to call them out for being rude. We're going to call them out for being delightful. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think that's. I don't think they were thinking of it that way. Like, if you, I'm saying it would be rude if you were specifically thinking, I want to make sure Jackie still doesn't get a patron, but I want to become a patron just to like. You know. you know, but that would be the kind of rudeness that I would think is hilarious. And I think you should do yeah. it. Theo, I could see you doing that. I could see you becoming I a patron of our own that. podcast and then being like, I'm still not going to be the Jackie patron. In fact, I will do that. I'll say <laughs> our first new patron is Jennifer. Jennifer, thank you. We're so happy that you joined us. Thank you so much. Thank you. We appreciate it. What a great yeah. way to end 2021. Yeah. Yeah. That was a wonderful gift. We're so happy to have you. Yeah. Yeah, we hope you continue enjoying the episodes. <laughs> I don't know if you like the jokes or the information. Email Theo, tell him what it is you like about the episode, and he can make sure that we do more of that. <laughs> the episodes. <laughs> Proportionally to the amount you give every month. All right. <laughs> Jennifer, can I call you Jen? Thanks, Jen. If I can't call you Jen, sorry. Sorry, Jen. I think she prefers <laughs> J. J-Dog. Yeah, J-Dog. Thanks, J-Dog. Yeah. Hey, no, I'm J-Dog. Uh, you're Big J. 
You're Jacqueline, shockingly to Seth. Yeah. Shockingly. Right. I had no idea. <laughs> oh, Jacqueline. Jacqueline. You think Seth's going to feel insecure or he's going to know this is a joke? Um, I don't know. It's not our problem. We'll see. <laughs> Do we have to say our contact information or anything? Yeah, say it. Say it, Theo. What's our email? God. Um, it's firethecanonpodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. What's our Twitter and Instagram accounts? Twitter is firethecanonpodcast at twitter.com. No. Twi- <laughs> at firethecanonpod. Oh, okay. That's weird. Our Twitter and Instagrams are at firethecanonpod. Okay. Okay. You sound um, like you don't believe me. <laughs> you said, okay. <laughs> you sure it's not fire the cannon podcast at twitter.com? Whatever. It's Y'all definitely need to get not. On my level. All right. Well, check us out there. Bye. 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 Here's just a little bonus story if people listen past the end credits. Noah's going to hear this. (laughs) (laughs) I took a plane ride home or back to Houston yesterday. I was sitting next to a guy who was playing games on his phone. So, of course, I was scoping it out, seeing what game he was playing. So, of course, I leaned over and gave him a bunch of wrong answers. Yeah. (laughs) No, it wasn't (laughs) a trivia game. It wasn't a trivia game. I I just, like, swiped a few times, shot a few bullets for for his character. Um, No, that's not true. (laughs) But I was looking at his phone. Partially because the game he was playing just looked nonsensical. And I was just thinking, like, what has our world come to? Fruit Ninja. (laughs) Way worse than Fruit Ninja. But (laughs) I saw a notification come down from the top of his phone. It said, hey, sexy, want to have some fun? Oh. And I thought, oh, man, this guy needs to put his phone on airplane mode. That's what you thought? I would have thought, oh, man, this guy signed up for some kind of weird shady thing he shouldn't have given his phone number to. Because that's not a thing any real person says. No, it's just, it's regular spam. I get those too. <laughs> I never get a text message. But th- this is the oh, thing. I, I thought it was a text message, but then I looked, it was a calendar notification that said, scheduled from 8.30 <laughs> to 9.30, hey, sexy, want to have some fun. So <laughs> I guess that's when he does, hey, sexy, want to have some fun. I don't know why he scheduled it during his flight. Oh, man. But... <laughs> that brings up a lot of questions. Did you feel uncomfortable after that, knowing that you're sitting next to him during his, hey, sexy, do you want to have some fun time? <laughs> well, I just felt bad for him. Oh, he must have got the time zone. Maybe wrong. it's a reminder to say that sentence to someone. <laughs> Yeah, right. In that period of time. This always works. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he's just like a really, really punctual guy who's really into dates and times and stuff. And his wife or girlfriend or whatever was like, I just can't get his attention. You know what? I, you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> yeah, right. Schedule it. Yeah. He's always looking at that calendar. <laughs> he's always looking at that calendar. He's never looking yeah, at me. Right. Hmm. What if that was like their time that they were supposed to have scheduled intercourse or something? Him and his phone? Like Winston and his wife. Could have been his phone. Yeah. Love comes in many forms and we love all those forms. Is that what we say? We love love in all of its okay, forms. That, yeah, okay. Can we make our the merch? The front side says we love love in all of its forms. And then the back side says love comes in many forms. We love all of those love forms. Love comes in many forms and we love, we all, love those all those forms. forms. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a third side to the shirt that has something else on it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's funny and intriguing. Thank you, Thea. Thank you.